Welcome to the Super Givers Podcast. I'm Jesse Johnson with today's episode 14 guest, Joe Shoemaker, a man who coaches women with the hope of being an empowering male figure. In this remarkably open and honest interview, you'll learn about Joe's belief in the limitless female and dive into the delicate balance of masculine presence in supporting a generation of women on the rise. By design, I haven't really had many coaches on the show yet, uh, Joe, so... um, (laughs) I am really excited to hear what you want to share about the work you're doing and why you think it's important. It's great. Thank you. The work that I'm doing came in such a roundabout yet organic way as I was first delving into giving body work to a large number of people. This was about five years ago after I quit my corporate job in marketing. And I realized that as I was doing body work, that these really deep, intimate conversations would just naturally arise. And because most of my population, my client population was women, I got a feel for, as I started to reflect on what was happening, that these women were largely unsupported. And they were aching for someone to listen, someone to be present, someone to process issues with. And it was sort of all unknowing to me at the time until I took a step back and and realized there was something much bigger that was happening here. And I decided that while I would still do body work and I'd still really tend to the energetic needs of all my clients, that I would delve in even deeper and offer something that was much broader, much bigger, and would ultimately serve a greater purpose. And for me, that purpose is to support, protect, and nourish female leaders, entrepreneurs, moms, artists, creatives in this world that has largely oppressed them, largely suppressed them, and largely not been available to help them get back into their power. And that is really the crux of my work, is to protect, support, nourish female energy so that this large group of females can help drive a new type of relationship in our society and a new type of interaction in our society, more harmony, more balance, more communicative way of being. And that's really what I am venturing to do. And... I couldn't be happier about it. Yeah. And as you and I shared sort of in our back and forth in in creating this conversation, I love to to get to the heart of it, um, or at least the first heart of it, (laughs) which is, Mm -hmm. to me, something that I've encountered too um, in talking with women in the world and working with women. So if a white male is in a position of, of empowering a woman, How does that actually work in an age where women are trying to break free from this oppressed system, which is very much built by white men? That's a great question. We had a lunch date with a friend recently, my wife and I, and as we were having lunch and sort of discussing where we were in the world and how we wanted to show up, this woman, intrigued by this very idea of a white male showing up for women in this way, she asked me, so what gives you the right 
to guide and mentor and lead women as an identified male. And it was the first time I've ever received a question so pointedly like that, although there's been some undercurrent of it in the past. And I addressed that question by honestly relating it back to how my mother raised me. Hmm. And she did such an incredible job of fostering thoughtfulness and a very clear, genuine type of interaction with everybody, especially women. And she came from the perspective of being unsupported in a marriage, being unsupported in the corporate working world as administrative assistant for many different companies. She was always a peg or two down. And she made it clear to me that she did not want to raise me with any sort of power trip or ego trip that I was to remain humble and with um, thoughtfulness and uh, the ability to see what was needed and to act on it. And by that, it was when a woman asks for something, you have to be thoughtful and you have to respond and you should do it. And this was a, a teaching that she gave me almost every six months. It felt like she would sort of sit me down and say, now just remember, your goal is to really come into great um, energy and communication with especially women because they have it so hard. I want to remind you of this as there's times where your, your ego is sort of getting a little bit out of balance. And she did that, that check marking with me for years. And I resisted at times, of course, as a kid would. But when I reflect back on it, it was, it was really an incredible way for her to develop the type of male person that she was craving in the world. So how, as an adult, do you continue to check yourself in this process? That's a great question. And I have an amazing partner. My wife is absolutely a phenomenal human being. She's also a survivor and has been living with a level of, um, of history that not many women have. And without getting into too many details, it's been a rough road and yet she's able to stand up impeccably. And so it wouldn't be surprising then if I was raised by a mother who was uh, offering me the chance to be a balanced human, a, ba a balanced man, that I would also marry somebody who would want the same as well. So I was subconsciously seeking that out. And that's what I did. And this, this woman, my wife, is, is an incredible resource for me because she essentially without me realizing it for the first many years of our relationship was coaching me and asking me to go deeper and asking me to show up in the way that she wanted me to show up. Even if I was genuine and thoughtful, I could always use improvement. And those are conversations that we have readily and I love them because we go in so deep. And she often reminds me that not all couples have these kinds of communications and these kind of sit down talks and that really this is sort of a, a rarity and that we have to savor this. We have to savor that both of us are on the same page and wanting to continue to evolve and grow and using each other as a sort of launching pad or stepping stone into a completely new area of growth. So I have, I have her to thank for 
so much of my growth over the last uh, 12 years in that way. So she's very much a, a check for me. And I just want to say for people listening that I'm really, I'm really thankful for you, Joe, coming on and playing this role. One thing I think is really important personally about this, this time and space that we're in as a people uh, is that the conversation to raise consciousness among all people can continue. And I know that there are some pretty conscious men with whom I associate who have struggled and, and voiced this dilemma of we're in this in this time where where um, you know women are rising to meet the power and, and there's a lot of there's a lot of anger and understandable resentment from years of oppression and how do men stay engaged in the conversation? How is there room for men to sort of screw up? in the process of healing, right? Mm -hmm. I'm curious, when you're working with women and, and when you're working consciously on your relationship with your partner, how do you handle you know, your own tolerance for discomfort and, and screwing up, for lack of a better phrase? That's a great question. And the, the level of honesty that I ask of my clients and I ask of myself and I ask of my wife every relationship that I'm in is by nature uncomfortable at times that we're knowingly going into a relationship of some sort. And I'll just take the example of working with women and coaching and mentoring and that we've made an agreement before we even start teasing out anything before any conversation of any sort of depth happens that we're making an agreement that this will be challenging and that, I don't know anything that I I'm here in a way that is extremely humble and may foster insights and breakthroughs. Yes. And may give you a certain level of presence that you don't currently have in your life. Yes. But I also am human and I may not realize that I've said something that doesn't quite work and that, I'm, I'm asking for pre-forgiveness, if you will, hmm. and, and I'm asking for my client to also interject and to call me out when something doesn't work. And that's the agreement that we make, that it's, it's not just a one-way challenge in a coaching relationship, that this could very well be uh, a healing for us both. Not that I'm asking for a healing for myself, but that if we use our voices and we articulate what we're feeling, both ways, then we'll get to a much richer place. And that, that way we can foster a better breakthrough. So really, I'm just, I'm asking for what I feel like is a, a level of honesty that is, is rare and people meet me there. And that's when the, that's where the real juice is, I think. Totally. And I can relate to clients I've had uh, in this space with women where even in the way you just presented it, there are many little potential opportunities for catch 22s, right? Like I'm, mm. I'm even imagining, well, if you're working with a woman who, who isn't, um, who sort of like gives away her power with men, then she might appear on the surface as a great client, but she may never tell you really what she thinks. And mm. as I, as I'm hearing your process, I'm understanding how important it is to walk through those steps uh, really mindfully, and it sounds like that's part of why, why it works for you. 
that is part of why it works. And you raise a, a great point. There are men or women who have not been empowered to speak their mind for whatever reason, for fear of retribution or judgment or bias. That can be a pretty sticky point that they may have maybe harboring some sort of low level judgment that they aren't articulating and that can get in the way of the coaching process or the leading process and that is part of the journey as well is to help open those those channels of communication so that nothing is off limits so that we really can have a deep conversation but that is a nuance and as you know as work as a coach and working with people is if they're not open and honest naturally that we have to give the space that's needed for them to come into that that uh, sort of self-approval to say what they they want to say and that can take a little bit of time so some of the agreements that we're making up front to be very honest while they're there may not really come into play until later on in the coaching relationship and that's okay too as long as that's known up front as well. Well, I think in what you're speaking to that I hope listeners can translate into their own relationships is that a lot of what's potentially um, beneficial down the road is set up by the container that's created up front. Absolutely. In fact, I'm I, remembering a conversation that my wife and I had before we got married. This was um, 10 years ago. And I could tell that she was nervous about the process of going through the motions of getting married and then what happens afterwards. And I said to her, I said, this is a creative process. This is a totally creative endeavor. And we're two unique individuals that got together. Why can't we make this our own? Why can't we just create what it is that we feel like is natural and right, whether that be the actual ceremony in getting married or what happens after, the way that we live, the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we even uh, work with our finances. And it was such a relief for her to hear that, that there was no rule, no rule that we needed to live by. We created our own, and we continue to do that as well. And I think that's uh, an important facet of working with clients as well, is opening those creative doors so that we can... We can step together without any limitations um, from the inside. And of course, that's what we work to, to get to ultimately. We want that pure freedom of creative expression, which is why I love working with women in general, because there is so much creativity that's available. It's really just a matter of giving it a voice. So in your mind, and maybe if you're comfortable speaking from what your clients have shared with you or what you've seen, what is the ideal or, or what's a great outcome for one of your coaching clients um, that represents kind of the integrity of the work you're doing? That's a great question. In fact, I had a conversation this morning with uh, a potential new client. This was just to get to know each other. And I learned very quickly um, because she was so honest, which was great is that while she was honest with me, she wasn't honest with her partner. And that she felt like she couldn't say 
what she was really feeling because it wouldn't be accepted by her partner and then she would feel rejected. And this is a very common scenario among almost all of my clients. There is a fear to say what you really need to. And then of course that wells up internally and it becomes an issue, body issue, mental issue, emotional issue. And almost like the, the, the teapot is just bursting at the seams. It's, it's blowing hard, it's whistling, and no one's taking it off the stove. And I learned that she obviously felt very free to speak to me, someone she had never met before and only you know, knew for five minutes on the phone, but she was unable to do that with a partner of 20 years. And by the end of the conversation, which was about an hour and a half, she said to me that she felt so alive that she had a smile on her face that she couldn't wipe off. And when we break everything down that we do in our work, one of the most rewarding and gratifying and satisfying parts of this work is that there was a significant shift in energy. That's something that felt very dense and very course was suddenly transformed into something that was light, energized, and joyful. And that opens up a field of possibilities. And for her, I believe that opened up the possibility of having a collaborative marriage instead of a resentful marriage. And that remains to be seen as to how that works out if we become um, a client and um, and coach E, if you will. Mm-hmm. But um, that would be a beautiful outcome, is to inspire someone to take an action that they've long wanted to take, but were afraid to, as that opens up a, a whole new way of living and a whole new way of, of communicating um, with depth, with honesty. And I hope that that's the case for her as she moves forward because she's a, a, a wonderful wonderful person and has so much to give and just needs to be able to stand her ground and ask for what she wants in a collaborative way with her partner. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that intention overall in terms of a coaching relationship. Um, I'm forgetting the wording. I wanted to scramble to write it down and I missed it. <laughs> so fortunately, this is recorded. Good. We'll yeah. go back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but something about like taking action where you were once, you know, you've long, long to take or something. Yeah, exactly. It's, we, I find that 90% of my clients, if not more, really deeply know what they need to do yeah. in order to feel the way they want to. And ultimately, they want to take the, the negative charge out and they want to put the positive charge in. They know what to do. And it's not that they're even asking a coach for permission to do that. They're really just needing the space and time to say to themselves that this is feasible and this is not nearly as hard as it was, it was contrived to be as a, a story, if you will, or a construct. Sure. We sort of want to break those constructs and stories down so that they don't overwhelm us and uh, so we can move forward more fluidly. Yeah. Love it. So are you willing, Joe, if we kind of break this open a little bit um, more broadly? Sure. Of course, of course you're saying yes, and, and who knows what that even means, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm. <laughs> yeah, I want to know 
something relatable as a as a dude like what makes you the most just like a regular guy would you say like what if i was secretly interviewing your partner and i said all right like tell me his least flattering dude characteristic what would it be oh if man. you're willing well you, you I, i'm totally willing i'm glad <laughs> i'm glad you asked this question because it is real it is totally real right um let's see i I clean up really well, and you'd never know how messy I was. <laughs> you'd never know that. And I think I attribute this to years of working in food service. I worked at a bakery and a deli and uh, all kinds of different uh, food service jobs. And in those jobs, you just made a mess. And then at the end of the night, you cleaned it up. And I think that has really ingrained itself inside of me. I make a mess, and then I clean it up. In fact, I remember my mom saying, well, you know, Joe's home from college when the floor is sticky. <laughs> you know, it's just like I'm dripping things all over the place and the stove is a mess and I dropped six utensils on the floor and it is in shambles. It's like a pigsty. And then, of course, I clean it up. And I, it's not necessarily my most redeeming quality is that I just make a mess, but it is uh, a, an area of uh, discomfort for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... Just so I'm not leaving you on an island here, I'm sure that if if my wife is listening to this, she's probably resonating with some some aspect of it for for my behavior as well too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not it's definitely not flattering, but I, I, but I'd say also, I mean, in in being a man, sometimes it's just really easy to revert to being 13 years old. Mm. And in fact, for a lot of my coaching clients, I tell them this, and I say just right up front, I say. Most men, in some way, if they are American, are stunted at 13 years old. And it, it's not that, that they always exhibit 13, because they've done some professional things and they're mature, but in some way they will, will revert. And that will come out in many different ways. Okay, uh, football on Sundays. Total 13-year-old little boy running around the house with a jersey on. I mean, we're talking 45, 50-year-old men wearing jerseys that you would have when you were 13 years old and you know that can be that can be sort of a uh endearing <laughs> but it could also be uh, a, ch a challenge of maturity especially when your partner needs you to show up in a certain way so if i'm lazy on the couch and i'm still in my pajamas at noon watching football uh there's going to be some words <laughs> and what's so important to you about 13 why that number that's a good question if i don't think it's so arbitrary as i was looking back in my life 13 represented a year where there was the recognition that a new era was coming you're getting close to high school if not already in high school depending on where you went to school um, there's more, a little more responsibility coming and you can feel it. There is, um, obviously hormonal growth and your body's changing. You're starting to become more like a man and you're not exactly sure what that even means, but you're still a little boy. You're, you're still 13, especially if you grew up in a good home or you were raised by at least one good parent, hopefully two. And I remember being in college 
I'm watching these 18, 19 year old guys playing video games, totally stunted. Perhaps stunted isn't quite the right word. Just they temporarily reverted back to being little boys. And I thought that was really curious and interesting. I didn't know exactly why that happened other than it was such a naive time. It was, we had no responsibility at that point. We knew it was coming, but we lived free and easy. Mom did the laundry, we were fed, we were still getting all of our basic needs met by somebody else. And that felt like a really beautiful time to cherish at 13, right before engaging into real life. So that's, I think, why I chose that number. It's a pivotal time for a, for a guy. Yeah, no doubt there's there's a lot going on there for anybody, whether or not it happens to be each individual's major impasse. Um, it's certainly mm. like a safe bet, <laughs> right? That's right. I'm curious to know, outside of your own context, which it sounds like you had a lot of um, really conscious support, uh, especially from your mom, which helped you get to where you are now in terms of being able to um, be a support. What would what are you hoping for the population of men who maybe don't relate to your upbringing and are really pissed off and really hurting and afraid that there isn't going to be room for them in the world and there isn't going to be room for their energy and there isn't going to be room for if they want to play video games or watch football like that's suddenly become like shameful um on a maybe not suddenly become but on a different level almost like a a widespread level how do you connect with that man that's a great question i i believe that every woman is is exponentially nurturing that and it's a well that never runs dry that even if we are in an era where women are coming into a much more powerful position and stance in life and self in self-leadership that ultimately they are the ones who carry a baby in the womb and they nourish and they nurture and they feed and they take care of. And I think that is just innate. It will always be innate. And I don't think men should lose sight of that fact because it's not as if an all-powerful woman is just all-powerful and that's it. That's limiting the scope of what is possible for a female and what's possible for a female is limitless so i want to remind men that there are women out there that are wanting to to take care of somebody not that as if a responsibility to take care of somebody but looking for companionship where they can support the other person and that is real, and that is available. And really, to take this time to understand why it is that we're in an era of female energy rising, why it's there, is really to look back at the history, look back at the suppression, look back at, at what has been transmitted through the DNA of every woman in the world, and even look at a lot of the third world countries um, today as models of where we came from 
as American women. So I think understanding the history is really important to, um, to illustrate why everything is happening the way it is, why women are rising. And then also to take solace in the fact that women are available and wanting and craving to be nourishing and supporting and to a man, especially in that sort of relationship. And I think that that understanding can start to help maybe quell some of that resentment and that anger. Um, although that, it, it will take time. It will take time to, to really understand it. And I would say also is to, for men to engage in conversation with women. I mean, my wife has been an incredible source of knowledge transfer for me because I cannot walk in her shoes, but I can certainly witness her story and be by her side as her story continues to unfold and really have a deeper level of respect and a deeper sense of wanting to do better myself through the stories that she's told me. So that's another aspect as well. I think that would be really important for men is just have conversations with women, be curious, start to ask and tease out what's really happening so that you can find yourself within this new era of, of rising power. It's interesting to hear you take that perspective that for men to, what I'm hearing, and please correct me if I'm, if I'm mishearing this, is that essentially what you're saying is for one way that men can start to really progress is to be more awake to the feminine, the world of women, the history of um, cultural and energetic suppression, mm-hmm. and to start to get curious about uh, what it's like, which is which is great. It's interesting to hear that because most of the the men's work I'm uh, familiar with is is largely encouraging of of men doing that work together. So I start to think, huh, that's that's the first time that somebody's really taken that stance. Um, and I'm trying to wrap my head around it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have a question for you. It's yeah. in terms of the the men working together can can you uh tease that out a little bit what did you what's your experience been in working with with men's groups in this way and and how is it different than what i just proposed i i would say that part of the way that i've really healed and developed uh over time has been through the support of healthy masculine energy and in fact, I can look back now and say the last 10 or 15 years that um, as my masculine side has matured, it has opened up the space for my feminine to evolve. And mm. and um, I'm speaking those terms just so we're, we're on the same page. I think we are. I use those terms really as, as uh, archetypal energies that everybody has. Uh, in them that they're not they're not um gender specific they're more like symbolic and archetypal and within us right so people can have different mixtures and some highly masculine women and highly feminine men mm-hmm. it's not about the gender identification as much as just how we integrate the energies within us right and mm-hmm. the health mm-hmm. of the two energies that's exactly right yeah so i've i've benefited from you know incredible women incredible feminine energy and 
typically when when I'm speaking with men who are really integrated, which which you seem to be, they're they're really coming from this place of wow, like the healing I've done with men is irreplaceable, and it it actually allows me to show up um, so powerfully for women. So it's really great. I'm really happy that you're giving this perspective. It's really potentially opening up uh, a different way of seeing opportunity to develop, right? Mm, That's great. And I love that insight too. And and I'll be clear, I I definitely have worked with men's groups in the past, but there is something that is self-propelling in me that is really curious, like I said, about this complete this this um this way of being for a woman that is largely uncomfortable and i think that is really the deepest part of the questioning that i that i i do and that i ask of you know what is that discomfort like when does it happen what can i do to prevent it how can i help to make it easier and that's that's coming from a, a serving perspective, and I've always been that way. And I know um, many men are not that way naturally, and that is totally okay. Is a skill that can be cultivated, and I'm sure you've experienced that too. As you said, getting in touch with your masculine side allowed you access to the feminine side, and that's great. So we all need our own path to get there, there's no doubt. But I think if we are good humans and we really want to make um, an impact in life, and we want to live in a collaborative way, then we would start asking the questions that can be potentially painful to hear answers to, mm-hmm. because the stories of women are painful, very much so, m- much more painful than I can even imagine myself. And, uh, and literally 99%, if not 100% of women that I know, have these stories of um, escaping death in some cases, escaping abuse or enduring abuse. And listening to that really, in, in me, quakes this desire to help nourish and support and you know, sort of cradle back to health this very powerful set of women that have been abused um, just as a natural way of being. And I think um, a lot of men would probably feel that way too if they started to really hear these stories and instead of just simply um, uh, witnessing from the outside, it's really feeling into what that feels like and visualizing what that could have been like. And that is transformative. These stories are novels. And if you, you know... I love it and I'm totally on board. And I wonder, okay, so how would... If you're speaking to the man who doesn't even know how to take really the first step towards that process and you've been through it enough that you, you've you seen the light and you can say, oh my gosh, this is just incredible. I need to be with, be really with this these stories. How, how would men out there today just take a step towards doing that? Like what's like a, what's like a micro version of it, you know? Yeah, that's a great question. And of course, coming from your perspective, and even my own for that matter, when I studied the men's movement um, that started in California and reading the likes of Robert Bly and Michael Mead, you really get a very important um, education from 
from this body of work, this men's movement, certainly could be one way is to engage with other men to understand how other men have gone through it and how they've mm. unfolded and unwound. And certainly that's a beautiful teaching. But I also think that really just asking questions of women would be a great, great start. As uncomfortable as that may seem, I think we do really well when we sort of become the journalist of life. And we, we just are, are coming from a place of um, blank slate. I don't know what I don't know. Mm -hmm. Help me understand. So it's the, the first step really comes from a place of humility and realizing that we're, we really are just babies and we don't know that much. And if we, if we want to, then we should just start asking questions. And I'll tell you, women would be thrilled to have men ask questions about any facet of their life. You could talk to any woman that has dated in, in Portland or anywhere else, and they will often say, and I hear these stories a lot, that men just simply don't approach me, and they, they don't have anything of substance, and they don't ask any questions, and it's very much about themselves. And I think it's flipping the tables for a lot of men and just asking the question, has it been all about me? Mm. And what can I ask of someone else that would be intriguing? Or even if someone needed a little bit um, easier entry point, but just even taking that role of questioner, right? Mm. Even just even just sitting down next to somebody and say, how's your day going, Right. Mm. And and I love where you are, and I I don't I really don't want to perpetuate some idea that, you know, I have like a terribly low expectation of men. <laughs> I'm mean, that's not where I'm coming from in asking that at all. I just love looking for kind of a universal traction point where people can can hook in and say, okay, great, I can be a questioner role. Some men are going to be able to hear that and go right to the the level of um, vulnerability and honestness that that you have mm. and that you're saying. And then others, and I can really identify with, with, you know, in my work with men, others just are terrified and they mm -hmm. really want to get there, but they're so confused and they're like, gosh, I'm, I'm either too much or I'm too little and I don't really know how to, like what the, the right button to push is, right? So it's mm -hmm. nice to find like, it's nice to find a, a basic point. So if you're saying if it was distilled down into anything as a starting point, it could be just ask a question, be curious, huh? That's it. That's, that's it. I mean, it, it's no different than sitting in a lecture hall, listening to somebody teach you on a topic in college, and you're starting to pull the pieces together, and something isn't quite making sense, or there's just a bigger sense of this framework, and you just need to start to ask so that you really understand I think there there just may be a, a lack of understanding, and that's yeah. okay because yeah. where's the playbook for learning how to understand somebody? Yeah, and that's totally fine. But yes, distilling it down to the the quintessential point is: can we just come from a place of curiosity? Can we just start asking questions and um, you know building rapport? Very basically, just building rapport. And what I'm hearing from you is being in a mindset of not thinking uh, of just unknowing. First time I've ever sat in this classroom, 
<laughs> that, right, right. That's a great classroom to sit sit in and uh, a, a sort of lifelong coursework and uh, has incredible rewards. But yeah, mm. that's you, you've hit the nail on the head, no doubt. Mm. Is there anything specific you'd like to say about your work or any specific project or offering that you have? I'd like to just summarize my work a little bit. Sure. Because I think it's it, it can be very powerful for the people that that partake um, as a coach that nourishes and protects and serves women there is an opportunity for women to finally be seen and to have a level of presence in their life that will allow them to become uh, sort of masters of their own journey and that means that they can finally develop a level of um, collaboration and communication with family, that they can make big transitions into a bigger part of their life, that they can have breakthroughs in the shower, in the car, anywhere, because they've opened up a place that was dormant. And I love doing that. And I love being there to sort of grease those skids and just crack open a little portion so that light starts to seep through and then that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So, And that's my private clientele as I work for executives and moms and creatives and it's all over the board. And that's a beautiful work. And I'm most excited about the new offerings um, which are women immersion classes that actually are co-facilitated a bit by my wife who is very skilled practitioner as well. And these women immersion groups uh, last eight weeks and they start once a quarter. And they're an incredible way for women of all industries and all life phases to get together to sit in a circle um, in sort of a mastermind style group where we can process issues and we can do some deep work together where they may receive some direct coaching from me, yes, of course, and some teachings, yes, and get that group support as well so that we're all rallying for everybody's dream to come alive. And that's a really beautiful um, endeavor for all the people who wind up signing up. And I feel like this is a, a great time to come into community with each other and especially for women to hear from other women what they are going through what struggles are occupying them and how we can all band together sort of tribally and give each other the healing that we need so that when they leave after eight weeks, which is obviously a short amount of time, but it's, it's enough time to make inroads toward a certain outcome. So by the time they leave that life looks brighter and has more energy as a result of this group work. So those immersion classes are, are incredible, and um, I announce those on my e-newsletter list, uh, usually monthly. And Joe, is that an online group or in person? It is in person. Okay. And, and I, think about, uh, <laughs> I think about Jeff Bezos, the story of how he started Amazon in his garage where he was getting shipped product and then repackaging and shipping it out. And we are doing the same thing at our home around the dining room table. And I could imagine that over time that we will outgrow the dining room table and we will have to find a, a bigger venue. 
And I look forward to that so we can really bring even more people together um, in mutual support of each other. And you are, just for people who um, who are listening from around, where are you located? Yep, we are in lovely Northeast Portland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's Oregon. And if you don't live here, then, well, you could be like everyone else and move here. Or <laughs> it sounds like you can sign up for Joe's newsletter and potentially there'll be uh, different offerings that might uh, be appealing or different resources that might surface from that. Exactly. Well put. Yeah. Is there anything that uh, I haven't asked that you that you had hoped to be asked? I think I'd like to end with the fact that the reason that I do the work I do in supporting women is because I feel like we are on the cusp of a different kind of societal relationship. One that is, as I've been saying the entire time, much more collaborative and heart-centered and, and open and coming from a place of mutual respect and wanting to do well for each other and, ca- and putting aside the judgments. And I feel like getting women strong and getting women in a place where they can communicate this strength is really one of the ways, one of the most important ways that we will get to that place of harmony in our society. And not that men don't need it, they do. I've just been called to serve women in this way. And that's what I'm honoring right now. And I think that that calling is very powerful and very strong. And I, I'm excited to weave this path forward. Love it. And I just want to thank you for being in this conversation with me. And let's not lose sight of the fact that what we're doing right now is an example of what you and I are talking about men needing to do more of. And I want to, hopefully it's clear to the listener that Joe showed up today, you showed up today really being willing uh, to let me challenge you and, Mm. and invite you to think critically and explore yourself in a way that hopefully serves as, you know, one model for um, the way men can be working on each other. And, um, as I'm asking you these questions, I'm I'm part of me is <laughs> part of me is like, wow, I wouldn't want to answer that. <laughs> uh, so, just to be fully transparent, uh, that that is what was most exciting to me about talking with you today, and I really appreciate the way you showed up, um, and that you're willing to be here is a symbol of um, the role you're playing to create more harmony, more understanding, more collaboration. Um, between men and women in the world. So thank you. Of course, it's my pleasure. And I I appreciate your questions as hard as they may be and challenging as they may be. That's what we need to do for each other so that we can grow. So I I very much appreciate what you're doing. Amen, brother. To learn more about Joe Shoemaker, go straight over to shoemakerjoe.com. It's time to leave you with the question of the day. And I'm going to give one for men and one for women. So for those who identify as a woman, What could a man in your life do to support your limitless nature? For those who identify as a man, simply, what is a limiting belief you might hold about women, and are you willing to challenge it? To find out more about the world of Supergivers, head over to supergivers.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, click on the podcast link and send in an application. If you'd like to practice giving towards this show, please tell someone you know to listen in or consider subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Google Play. 
That's all for today. Thanks for listening and maybe even subscribing to the Supergivers podcast, where we celebrate ordinary people creating extraordinary impact in the world. I'm your host, Jesse Johnson, and I hope you'll pass the giving along. Mm-hmm.